Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Stay at Home Thad. Welcome back to Stay at Home Thad. I've got your Sunday wildcard recaps for you. Thanks for tuning in again. Let's get right into it. Tampa Bay and Philly. This is a game that Philly fans will likely want to erase from their memories as the Bucks defeated the Eagles 31-15. The Eagles' only scores come in in garbage time. Ugh. In the fourth quarter, he had the long run by Boston Scott and a receiving touchdown by Kenneth Gainwell. Best part of the game, honestly, was probably when Aikman admitted he wished he preferred to call the San Fran-Dallas game. I thought that was a pretty funny moment. This one was pretty much over from the get-go. In the first quarter alone, I mean, Brady, 12 for 16, 103 yards. Bucks had 137 yards total offense in that first quarter. Brady finishes the day 29 to 37, 271 yards, two touchdowns. He hit Gronk and Evans, zero interceptions. The first drive, I mean, Brady missed a couple receivers on that opening drive, just passes not quite on target. He also had right tackle Tristan Wirfs. He went down with a right leg injury. Bucks Twitter listed it. I think it was an ankle, but looked like it was a leg injury on the, on the replay. That was a big loss. I mean, PFF has him as an 85 grade, uh, potentially huge loss just at the beginning of the game, minute and a half into the first quarter. But that didn't phase the veteran Tom Brady. I mean, He's coming into yesterday, eight more career playoff wins than all the other quarterbacks in this year's playoffs combined. Eight more playoff wins. That's wild. You got guys like Rodgers and Roethlisberger who've been doing this for a long time. Brady still has eight more career playoff wins than all the other quarterbacks in this year's playoffs. So, I mean, you expect him to not look like he did on those first couple throws in the game. Expect him to kind of come and settle down, and he did that for sure today against a young Eagles team. On that first drive, though, he has that questionable roughing the passer penalty that keeps the drive alive, but then he drives down the field methodically. Gio Bernard rushes it in for that touchdown. Honestly, kind of felt like it was over right then and there. Is that harsh? Is it an exaggeration? Maybe, but if you dig down deep into your own soul, you'll agree that I am right. Wirfs did come back at the end of the second briefly in the last three minutes, I think. He didn't stay in the game for long. He kind of got run over by uh, the edge rusher there. That'll be a big question for next week in the divisional round. You also had center Ryan Jensen go down in uh, end of the first quarter. He came back also for the start of the second quarter, but that'll be something to watch moving in. I mean, it wasn't a su- secret coming into this week. Tampa Bay's been hit with some injuries, and that'll be something that you have to watch going into next week's matchups. Troy Aikman in that first quarter, he was talking on the broadcast about how Philly in that first quarter was really trying to switch up coverage, mix things up in in an attempt to confuse Brady, which, I mean, Brady's been doing this for so long, he's not going to be confused by anything. And Tampa Bay kind of shifted into a little bit of a a pseudo no-huddle almost to combat that, and it worked. You had Philly with 12 men on the field in that last minute of the first quarter on Tampa Bay's second drive, a touchdown drive that was the one that Kashan Vaughn ran in. Philly today just couldn't generate any momentum on offense. At one point in the first half, the Bucs had 15 first downs and the Eagles had only run 12 plays. I mean, you had Goddard and Devonta Smith who had no targets in the first quarter. I mean, that's that's not good. 
The, the biggest issue, though, for Philadelphia was they couldn't get their vaunted running game rolling. They're ranked first in the NFL in rushing, but they finished the game with only 95 yards rushing as a team. And as I was watching the game, it kind of felt similar to what I was talking about with New England last night. I mean, Philly got behind the game plan. Looked like the moment almost felt too big for Hertz and the Eagles. Uh, last night on the Saturday Recap Reaction Pod, go back, listen to that if you haven't done so yet. But I was talking about how Rodney Harrison was saying at halftime of the Bengals-Raiders game that Las Vegas just looked like the moment was too big, and, and it definitely looked that way tonight or this afternoon, sorry, for Jalen Hurts. I thought you really saw evidence of that in that last drive in the second quarter. Let me kind of take you through that. The Eagles take a penalty on first down, setting up first and 20 with 154 left. You had Hurts throwing an incomplete pass on the ensuing play. It looked like there's maybe some confusion on the route combo between Goddard and Jalen Reger. Second down, though, Hurts runs for nine, does what he does best, mobile quarterback. And on the next down, he hit... Watkins downfield for big first down. The ensuing first down kind of gets, I think it was five or six yards. But then on second down, he's pressured. He rolls to his left, which seemed like he did almost every time he faced pressure today. And he's looking for Devonta Smith in the end zone. Kind of makes a double move, but uh, Hertz sees him too late, makes the throw too late, and ultimately it gets picked off. And, and it just looks like a, a situation with a young quarterback who's trying to do too much and turns into mistakes that hurts the team. I, I get the feeling of you have a big deficit, you try to want to try to make up ground, I understand that, but you saw him missing reads that he should have hit, uh, missing receivers on what should have been fairly easy completions for an NFL quarterback, and so just a, a tough day overall for Hurts in his first playoff game. He went 23 for 43, 250 yard, 258 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. At one point, I thought this was kind of interesting. I think it was about the 10.45 mark of the third quarter. Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders, if you don't know what that is, find them on Twitter. They kind of do analytics uh, and stats and kind of deep dives and stuff like that. Really interesting stuff. But he tweeted out, you would never guess that the Bucks and Eagles are actually averaging the same 4.5 yards per play. Remember, again, this is uh, a couple minutes into the third quarter. The problem is the Eagles have gotten a couple of big plays while the Bucks have steady gains. Bucks have 15 first downs. Eagles only had six. And someone actually in the comments of that tweet commented how the Eagles actually had a couple big plays, two or three big plays that had been called back on penalties. So their average yards per play likely would have even been higher uh, had those penalties not happened. But it just shows the patience of the Bucks' offensive game plan. You still have... Uh, downfield threats like Evans and uh, Gronk, but they were content to just kind of plot away and uh, take what the Eagles' defense gave them, and, and they did a really good job of that today. Ultimately, I think the question for the Bucks will be, are they healthy enough for a deep playoff run like last year going all the way and winning the Super Bowl? Joe Buck, Troy, Troy Aikman, they were talking about playoff Lenny Fournette. There was some talks that maybe he was going to be back today, but ultimately still sat out. Uh, but yeah, Gio Bernard and Keyshawn Vaughn, they played well today. I mean, not crazy numbers. Bernard, 13 carries, 44 yards, one touchdown. Vaughn, 17 carries, 53 yards, also the, the one touchdown. Obviously, you want Fournette back if you are a Bucks fan, so you're going to be watching that closely this week. At the end of the day, I think Tampa took care of business. Not really a shocking result. 
not really a fun playoff game either, but what can you do? Continue wildcard Sunday games recap looking at the crazy one in Jerry World with the 49ers eking out a 23-17 win on the road over the Cowboys. This might have been the game I was most excited. No, this not might. This was the game I was most excited to watch, and it definitely didn't disappoint. Mostly because, and also please bear in mind, favorite player announcement alert. I love Debo Samuel. This is kind of random, I know, but I drafted him in my main fantasy league this year, and he was a great addition to my team. No championships, unfortunately, but still. Outside of fantasy football, he's just so fun to watch. Uh, Of course, there's a lot more to this game, but I just needed to get my Debo Samuel fandom out there. But what people were wondering this week was whether Jimmy G could put a game together without a major mistake at a pivotal moment, and, spoiler alert, no, he could not. Uh, it was amazing watching Twitter completely melt down after his late interception. But to his credit, he played well enough, despite that major mistake, to win. He didn't put up crazy numbers, 60-25, to 25, 72 yards, uh, no touchdowns, one interception, it was really the 49ers' rush game that really powered the San Fran offense tonight, late afternoon, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's Kyle Shanahan, though, right? Scheming up run plays, never really know who's getting the ball. Uh, Elijah Mitchell had 27 carries, 96 yards, one touchdown. My guy, Debo Samuel, 10 carries, 72 yards, and also a touchdown. I will say, for Dallas, a, a player that was really fun to watch and, and really has been all season was Micah Parson. Micah Parson's 11th overall pick by Dallas at a Penn State last year. He is so, so good. If you watch him, he is all over the field. Nobody can really block him. He's definitely going to be fun to watch, that's for sure. Uh, in terms of the other side of the field on on defense, it was not nice, not, not what you want to see when you see the best players on defense leaving, but You had Nick Bosa, who left the first half with a head injury. He did not return. Nance and Romo were talking about how devastating a loss that was for the 49ers' defense, and you wonder what sort of impact he could have had in the second half had he remained in the game. But despite Bosa not being there, despite Micah Parsons playing relatively well, Dallas just could could not take advantage of Bosa's absence. Dak, I mean, even before Bosa left, he was struggling. He only had 89 yards passing in the first half. He did turn it on in the second half, though, finishing 23 of 43, 254 yards passing, one one rushing touchdown, one passing touchdown, and one interception. To be honest, it kind of had a similar feel to the Bengals-Raiders game in that the 49ers were up at half, but it didn't feel like it was as close as the score indicated at that point in the game. I mean, Sam Fran seemed to have the game more in hand at halftime. They were playing really well. They just didn't have the points to show for it. And obviously that came back to bite them. That wasn't enough, and and Dallas made things very interesting in the late stages of of the game. I found this stat very annoying. The Cowboys were 1-10 all time when losing by 9 points or more at halftime at a playoff game. And they found themselves down nine at half of this one. 
and ultimately losing. With that loss, it puts them 1-11 and when down 9 at halftime in the playoffs all time. And you're like, that's a weird stat to share. I don't know why you did that, Thaddeus. But I share that because that lone win that Dallas has when losing by 9 or more points at halftime in the playoffs came against, can you guess it, the Detroit Lions in 2015. So there's your Detroit Lions content for this episode. I'm sure I'll talk about them at some point in most episodes, if not all of them. But Dallas had a great pass rush this season, led by Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, even Micah Parsons, who I mentioned already. But what stood out from those players tonight was mostly Randy Gregory's defensive holding calls in huge moments of the game. Really, the, the theme of this game probably was penalties by the Cowboys. They had 14 total penalties for 89 yards. 89 yards. Let that sink in. And it was everything. It was false starts. It was hands to the face, defensive holding. You name it, Dallas was guilty of it tonight. It seemed early on, San Fran had that 10 nothing lead early in the first quarter. Kind of seemed like Dallas was playing tense right from that point and led to some mistakes. Obviously, when you're the second highest penalized team in the NFL, it's kind of who you are. But they took some unnecessary penalties. And when you're giving your opponents almost an entire field, of free yardage, like 89 yards. You're 11 shy of a full football field of free yardage. It's going to be tough to win that game. Just crazy. The biggest penalty you could argue, seven minutes left in the third quarter. Dallas is moving the ball. What do you know? Illegal block charge to Dallas receiver Cedric Wilson. Moves you way back. On the next snap, you have Jones from the 49ers with the sack. And on the following snap, you have the Williams interception. That was the first interception for Dak since week 14. On the very next play, first play of the next uh, 49ers possession, once again, Debo Samuel, run play, reads the blocks in front of him, gorgeous cutback across the field. Did I mention he is my favorite player? Not sure if I said that yet or not. And that was the deciding factor. That was the winning touchdown right there and also the only points that the 49ers scored in the second half. So it just goes to show timely penalties leading to the demise of the Cowboys tonight. To their credit, Dallas did make things interesting in the fourth. I mean, you had some crazy momentum swings late there. You had the Dallas interception by Brown. You had the injury to linebacker Fred Warner a few plays later for the 49ers. And then Dak running it in on third and goal to make it a six-point game. Just a, a roller coaster final quarter there. And honestly, I, I thought Dallas was maybe going to complete that comeback. And it took the umpire getting in the way of Dak in that last second. And, and by rule, it looks like it was the right call made on the field. The umpire is supposed to touch the ball before the offense puts it in play. And he was unable to do so in that situation. Really not a great game for the officials. That awkward delay of game earlier that they had caused after the Cowboys' successful fake punt, and then obviously that last second uh, tackle by the umpire, just not a good look, especially coming off the game last night, Cincinnati and Las Vegas with the questionable officiating. I actually saw today, going back to that game for a moment, that uh, Jerome Boger and his crew are not going to be officiating games in the playoffs uh, at, at least Jerome Boger, p- potentially some of the guys from his crew, but uh, Jerome Boger will definitely not be officiating any more games. He was the head official in the Bengals and Raiders game. 
Of course, the the umpire at the end of the game, that's not what cost Dallas the game. I think you can chalk that up to the penalties that they took throughout. But still frustrating to have a game finish that way when they're driving with uh, very little time on the clock and no timeouts left. Just not the way that you want to see a game finish. But the Cowboys lose to the 49ers, heartbreaking fashion, and the 49ers advance to face off against the Packers in next week's divisional round. Well, that brings us to the final game of today. Let's wrap up talking about Pittsburgh visiting Kansas City. I will try to get through this quickly. For all our sakes, given there's not much to talk about after a Chiefs 42-21 drubbing of the Steelers. Steelers fans, I apologize, but this has to happen. Bottom line, the Steelers weren't good and the Chiefs were good. All right, thank you for listening to Stay At Home, Thad. I'm just joking. Just joking. Truthfully, it was not the start that we expected from Kansas City tonight, at least. Uh, ben, Big Ben struggled very early on and continued to struggle as the game went on. Najee Harris didn't do much. I asked producer Sam for an update. He's a big Steelers fan. And about seven or eight minutes in, I asked him how things were going, and his text was, Steelers offense is such a joke, LOL. And that was kind of a trend for the rest of the night. The defense did keep the Steelers' heads above water early. They stopped the Chiefs' offense, you know, forced that INT early on. And honestly, it was a perfect start for the Steelers defensively. The Chiefs really could not get much going in that first quarter. But then you had the fumble recovery by TJ Watt, which he picked up, returned for a touchdown after that funky Wildcat formation gone wrong. I'm not really sure why you should ever take Mahomes off the field and not sure why you're using a Wildcat in the wildcard round against Pittsburgh. If you're Kansas City, this game never really was in doubt. So why are you showing stuff like that? But whatever. Maybe you're putting something in there to set a play up later in the playoffs. I don't know. But TJ Watt, of course, Turns that touchdown, that fumble for a touchdown. Definitely a defensive player of the year candidate. Likely gets it 22.5 sacks in 17 games. I'd say that's pretty good. Ties Michael Strahan for the record, if I'm not mistaken. But that seemed to be a wake-up call for the Chiefs, and they responded immediately with a touch- touchdown drive of their own. It's If you're a football fan, it's so fun to watch how creative the Chiefs are in having Mahomes kind of shovel and flip and pump the ball underhand and kind of just suspended in the air for motioning receivers and tight ends. And you saw that with the Jarek McKinnon touchdown. He just kind of shovels it forward. Uh, McKinnon, by the way, finished the night 18 touches, 142 yards, and a receiving touchdown. Tell you what, though, I, I did not expect Pittsburgh to only be down 14 at half. And that's with Patrick Mahomes finding Travis Kelsey crossing the field untouched, unnoticed by the Steelers' defense, apparently, with 14 seconds left in the half. My suggestion is try covering the best tight end in the NFL. That's just me, though. Uh, What do I know? I'm podcasting from my basement. Kelsey finished five receptions, 108 yards, and that touchdown, of course. 
Then the Chiefs opened the second half with a woo-woo-woo fat guy touchdown. Chiefs guard Nick Allegretti declared himself eligible, caught the pass. Then you had a Tyreek Hill touchdown on the ensuing Kansas City possession. A Travis Kelsey touchdown pass to Pringle on the next possession, and so on and so forth. I don't need to continue going through all those. Here, for reference, though, is the Steelers' offensive drives tonight. You had punt, 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 end of the first quarter. Then punt, 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 kneel down, end of the second quarter. You had fumble and touchdown on two possessions in the third quarter, and then the fourth quarter you had touchdown on the first possession, and then the clock ran out on their second possession to finish the game. Needs to be said, congratulations Ben Roethlisberger on an incredible career. Tough to see it end this way. He goes 29 for 44 on the night, 215 yards, two touchdowns. But definitely a Hall of Famer and was so fun to watch. Just a a big guy playing the quarterback position the way he did. I know the the talk about, you know, he revolutionized the game gets thrown thrown around a lot, but really you didn't see guys like Ben, Ben Roethlisberger playing quarterback. And so it was really cool to watch his career and see the Super Bowls and if you're a Steelers fan, congrats. You had a great quarterback and you've won championships. Something that Lions fans don't know much about. If you need more evidence, which at this point, I'm not sure what more you need to see, but this game shows you how good Kansas City is. Just their creativity, talented like no one else. So many options. And if you take one away, they still have the ability to burn you with two or three other guys. Any struggles that Mahomes and the Chiefs showed early in the season, that feels like it was a different planet, maybe even like a a different football league. This team is just so on right now, firing on all cylinders. I get it. It was Pittsburgh tonight. They weren't very good, but still, it's like the Chiefs just elevate their game for the playoffs. Regular season almost feels like a, a dress rehearsal to them. It doesn't matter as much, but playoffs is the real thing. What a game that's going to be next weekend. Kansas City, Buffalo. That is going to be must-watch. I am excited for that one. So that's it. That's Kansas City and Pittsburgh. It is over. Hey, speaking of over, this episode is over as well. We're done. Thank you so much for joining me for Wild Card Sunday recaps and reactions. Still have one more game to go in Wild Card Weekend. We've got Cardinals at Rams tomorrow night. I am going to uh, save my recap of that game for the episode that I'll be recording on Tuesday night. And at this point in time, just so you're aware, that is the plan. I'm going to be recording Tuesday nights, going live with the podcast. So uh, with the extra pod here and there, I'll probably drop, like, for example, this weekend. Maybe next weekend with Divisional Round Playoffs. We'll see. But for now, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and rate on iTunes and Spotify so that when new episodes are uploaded, they will be directly on your phone or your tablet or computer, wherever you listen to podcasts, ready to go. And follow me on Twitter as well, at stayathomethad, or on Instagram, at stayathomethadshow. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. I will talk to you later. Peace.